Welcome to Will You Accept This Rose, a production of iHeartRadio. There was an earthquake last night. Oh, my God. You know what that earthquake was? People being excited about my book dropping on Tuesday. This Tuesday, it's coming, and the earth shook all over Los Angeles, demanding dance copies. No, 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 my babies, not yet. So horny. Los Angeles was so horny for my book that plates shifted. Oh my God! Is that we only we don't need one theme song? Why have one theme song when you can have two? Get ready for this one, Lisa. <laughs> you know what time it is? It's time for Arden to get a little close and a little thorny. Oh, well, Arden's gonna go one on one. Gonna be high energy fun. Convos are gonna be super real. She wants to get with you and all the feels. Feeling thorny. heard that in a little while oh it's not done yet and that was avery pearson and of course mark rivers up top two people who should be winning grammys in the upcoming grammy Uh, what a thrill (laughs) you guys this is a very special feeling thorny and i feel kind of cocky saying that because i'm forcing my friend to interview me (laughs) um (laughs) And I wanted to say up top, you guys, if you think, if you, wait, I have to find it. Hold, please. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. What are you wearing? It's so cute. It's a romper. I'm wearing a romper. Um, You guys, if you think that you, you've, the road has risen to meet me when I'm like, Hey, you guys, I've written a book. Will you pre-order it? None of you have been like, stop talking about it, bish. Not only did you not say that you were like, yes. We pre-ordered it. Here is our receipt. And it's not too, it's not too late. Just keep mailing it in because I'm going to be doing giveaways today. I'm going to be doing giveaways for next week. It's Aaron Foley's episode. This is happening. And this is what I want to tell you beyond that. In a perfect world, there would be so many things different than what is happening in 2020. Let's just start like literally not one thing. There's literally not one thing that I would have willed for 2020 to be happening except for the following. In a dream world, with my book coming out, I would be flying all over the world, coming to your hometown, doing readings, doing stand-up, meeting all of you, signing books, hanging out. As it is, I've been put into my shame hole, sequestered to my garage in Los Angeles, California. And and so I can't I can't have a book tour. But you know what I can do? Doesn't mean that JJ Marine did not raise a drip. I am not a drip. I do know how to celebrate and I'm throwing a fucking book release party slash comedy variety show that you guys can come to because it's online. It's this Saturday night. It's at dynastytypewriter.com. And we it's on our Facebook page. If you guys are like, wait, what? It's at dynastytypewriter.com. It's this Saturday night. September 26th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's live. So you guys can, you can email, you can like message us and stuff like that. But if you, if you, it's only $5, okay, it's five bucks. And if you buy your ticket in advance and you're like, girl, 
Arden, I have a life. I'm not going to be home on Saturday night. The link is live for a whole week. So go to dynastytypewriter.com. It's not just going to be me. There's going to be readings. There's going to be chats. There's going to be performances. It's going to be me. Bachelor of the Year, 2018, 19, and 20. Rob Benedict is coming and he's going to be performing a cover of a Katy Perry song, who was my mother's favorite. We also have friend of the podcast, Lauren Lopkiss, who was, you guys saw the wrong Missy during a quarantine on Netflix. She was Missy. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. She's great. But she was also on Orange is the New Black. She was on Crashing. So me, Rob Benedict, Lauren Lopkiss. Also, if that's not enough for you, Brian Safi, friend of the podcast. He also hosts Throwing Shade. He is on 911 on Fox. And my brother, Alaric. That's five creatures for $5. It's a dollar for each of us. And if you're like, Artem, okay, I need another incentive. If you bundle buying your book through the Dynasty Typewriter website, they have partnered with Skylight Books in Los Angeles, and you can get a custom signed copy. So you can be like, Artem, I want to give this to my boss, Melanie. So I will let you can literally tell me who to write it out to a custom signed to you, your friend, your sister, your loved one, whatever. Hey, Melanie, thanks. I hope you like the book. You can do that. So that is the first thing I want to tell you. The second thing is if you're like, girl, I don't want to do any of that. I don't have $5. I don't don't know what your situation is and I'm not judging. I've been giving out influencer boxes. Perhaps you've seen them. Now, two people here with me today. You can't say we don't love animals on the Will You Accept This Rose podcast. You can't say we haven't adopted the legal limit of animals that that you can have in Los Angeles. Because I think between all of us, we each have about 78 animals. With me today is Katie Levine and one of my very best friends on earth. And if you guys are our Patreon member and you've been going through the Bachelorette New Zealand with us, you know this woman. She also was on one of the main feeds recently with Rob Benedict. She's one of my best friends. She's a great stand-up comedian. She's also an excellent dog trainer if you need one in the city of Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Lisa Delarios. Lisa and Katie, you guys got your influencer boxes this morning. What what did what did you think? Oh, I loved it. I was so excited. I was, took the dogs on a walk and I came yeah. home and I had this really cute package on my front steps. Yeah. And it was like this cute, like kind of teal. And I was like, what is that? I didn't yeah, order yeah, yeah. anything. What yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah. And I got so yes. excited. And then I saw that it said Little Miss Little Compton. And I was like, yes. oh fuck yes. And yes. it's very cute. It was, it was like the most like cutely packaged package I've ever received. It had like a really cute card with you and then yeah. like the, the pictures in it with the, and the, the tissue paper even had little birds I, on it. I custom printed oh it because there's a story in the book. There was a, there was a, a criminal in my hometown that would steal mail yes. that was a crow named Poe the Crow. Yep. So if you get the box, there's a, there's a crow on the cover <laughs> with a piece of mail on its beak. That's yep. Poe the Crow. Printed custom tissue. I kept the tissue paper because I liked it so much. And then, yeah. And then, I, I, do you want me to say what was in it? Yes, yes. Okay, so it, had, it had the book, and then it, it has, has the book. Really cute teal tote. Yes, uh, it says Little Miss Little, Little Compton, Compton on and it, and then a puzzle of you and mittens, which <laughs> I'm so excited to do. 
I mean, I just felt like Santa Claus. I wanted to, I just felt like everybody's having a hard time. Look, I didn't think I'd be launching this book in a pandemic. And if there's one thing JJ Marine taught me, it was how to customize, how to go to like basically the equivalent of party city. So it's like, I can't throw a party. I can't have a party in my yard. I can't have a party in a bar. I can't have a party in a, in a bookstore, but you can have it. So the puzzle, I don't know if you noticed, Katie, is a recreation of my sixth grade photo that's on the card. So uh, Lisa, you got one where you, and when you, how about the box? The box alone is maybe my finest. The actual box. The box. store stuff in. It's so cute. It's a fine, yeah, it's, it's a fine box. And I was pulling into my parking lot and I saw a strange man trying to get into my building. Sure. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, is that Dan? Yeah. Dan? And then sure enough, it was Arden's lovely. My my gentleman caller, my lover. Gentleman, gentleman friend, Dan. And he turned around and gave me this lovely package and then poof, he was gone. Dude, I mean, this, everybody thinks that the publisher, I appreciate this. And I want to keep up the mystique that, that the publisher is treating me like I'm John Grisham. I'm, I'm, I'm John Grisham. You're like... So I print, I designed it all. I packed it all. I hand packed it all. I was going to have a packing party with my friend outside Aww. last weekend, but there was so much soot and ash in the air. I couldn't make my beautiful babies covered in soot and stand out sooty, sooty babies. No. So here's yeah. the thing, guys. If you're like, all right, Arden, we get it. Oh, all your fancy friends, they got to. No, you guys are my fancy friends and you don't have to buy or you don't have to buy anything to get one of these. Here's how you do it. Go on my Instagram. I've posted 58,000 photos of the book or me with the book. Just something showing the book. Post it on your main Instagram page. Say why you want to read it. Tag three of your friends and do the hashtag Little Miss LC. That's Little Miss LC. Post it on your page. Just something of the book. And just screen grab anything from my page. And you are on October 1st, I'm going to pick three people and I'm going to do a giveaway where I'm sending three people a signed copy of the book, the cutest, the cutest box ever, the custom tissue paper, the the sixth grade photo that was overly confident but looking like Barb from Stranger Things, the recreation <laughs> as an adult where I had fake braces made and I made mittens come with me. Lisa drove mittens over that day to be in the photo. I was the I was the mittens wrangler for the day. You were the mittens wrangler. You drove her over to Robin Von Swink Studio, and I. I did, and she was so good and quiet. She was miserable. You could see the look in her face. It was like, get me out of this woman's clutches, and then you get yourself a little <laughs> Miss Little Compton tote. So just go on. I'll tell you what I wanted. I really wanted my actual sixth grade photo to be the cover. And they were like, no, we want people to recognize you. So I was like, fine. So then I was like, okay, then I'll recreate it. And so I was rooting for. I was like, that's clearly the cover is me with mittens. But I actually believe I got the right cover that I was supposed to get and that I was supposed to make this. I was supposed to start a puzzle company. I don't know. <laughs> it's an amazing gift box. And it's an I amazing think, gift box. I think, I think the fact that you designed it and packaged it makes it extra special. Thank you so much. I, you know what? I kept one. I knew again. I don't know, man. I'm locked in my house. I'm not Tina Fey. I'm not John Grisham. So I thought what I can do is design shit. And I know the book is fun and good. And I thought everybody, everybody's having a hard year. So I I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take every penny I've ever made (laughs) and I'm going to make presents for my friends. I'm going to make it impossible for people to not want to photograph this. I'm going to make it impossible for people to not want to put it on Instagram. (laughs) And I feel like that was the whole goal was like grassroots. And if they don't, 
I just made them a little happy, whatever. And if it didn't make them happy, then they're dead inside. And that's not my problem. I can't fix that. So, um, well, the tote bag, can I just also say, please, there's a lot of tote bags out there. Yes. I actually, I took it out and looked at it. And I was like, this is a quality tote. <laughs> I'll tell you what, because I've gotten a lot of totes in my life. And I actually spent quite a bit of money on the tote because I was like, I didn't want a thin tote. I wanted like a bougie. I wanted it to be the equivalent of like a purse or a beach bag or a book bag. I want, thank you so much, Lisa, because that was an intentional, like I could have saved a lot of money if I didn't make it. It would have looked the same, but it wouldn't have been a quality tote. No, it's a quality tote. It's got like the nice handles, like the yeah. sturdy handles. Yeah. And it's, it's a good size. I yeah. love it. Katie's nodding her head. Crap out of it. Katie's nodding her head. And if you're like, guess what, Arden? I might not win. I want that fucking tote. You, I don't know if how many are left. You could try, go see if they're still left at ArdenMarineBook.com. If you can get, if you buy the book, you get a signed book and a free tote with it. It's for the first 250 people. They might be sold out, but race over there and see if there's any totes left. Because you know what? You can always have, give one as a present if you win it and you put it on Instagram. I don't know your deal. I don't know what you're up to. And at the end of this episode, we are going to be doing some giveaways because people, I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to let you guys pick. Email in when you win and say, hey, girl, I want rosepodcast at gmail.com. You tell me, you want you want a mittens puzzle? You want a tote? Or you want a t-shirt? I don't know what your deal is. You tell me what you want. And I'm going to pull four winners at the end of this. I'm going to keep pulling. You guys are my friends. So here we go. Katie, thank you for your service. All right, here we are. It's me and Lisa. So Lisa and I, let me just do a little up top because Lisa has read the book. And we're going to be chatting about that up top. Lisa and I met. I'm going to shave some years off of us, Lisa. We met in 2019, 2019, <laughs> when we were 22. And... um we were doing stand-up at Stand Up New York back in the day with you and me and Zach Galifianakis and A.D. Miles. And Bobby and Tisdale. Bobby Tisdale. And, um, and we, were, we knew each other. We were buds. But then we reconnected when I moved back to New York after Mad TV in 2009. And then we started a comedy show Um, But I I just want to say, like, when I first, I always thought you were so talented, so different. I thought your stand-up was so great. You're such a great joke writer. There's nobody like you. And I always just like, you were just a nice person. And then we started this show in Brooklyn at the Union Hall. And then sometimes we would do it at the Bell House called The Party Machine, where we would stage elaborate parties that were comedy show. I mean, that's the equivalent of the box. The box is a party machine. Uh, oh my we, God. Cause we would spend more money on costumes than we would make. Like we would, if it's, it was a theme party, you know, I remember we did like a cruise ship theme and we, you were in like a captain's hat and like, yeah. So the, can I say like the premise of our show, which yes. was your idea, this, the, our, that party machine show was totally your brainchild mm. and you approached me and you were like, Hey, do you want to start a show? And I had kind of stopped doing stand-up because I'd gone back to school. Yeah. And uh, it was like, I was like, yes, I yes. do want to start a show. It was just like the right timing for both of us. And it, so I the, wanted it to be good vibes. It was such good vibes. It was all fun. And it was the theme was you and I were professional party planners and every single show yes. was a different party. And we were like, yes. <laughs> and we went full blown costume full costume yeah we did 
what was the first one? Dog days of summer. And we had fake tans. That's right. We had fake tans. And then we had like beach balls that were going through the, but it was so dumb. We had like the baby, we had a baby shower party. We, we had, we were like the most pregnant humans that had ever been. Oh yeah. We had family reunion. There was a lot. We had a lot of different, we had one you can't do now. We did a Michael Jackson party. Can't do that now. You can't do that. Did we have a, like, uh, what's his name, the Pretty in Pink 16 Candles? Uh, Probably. Because eventually you run out of things. I mean, we had the birthday party. We had, like, a retirement party. Eventually. The snow day. Was- snow day was one of my faves. Snow day was, oh, snow day. I remember wearing a full snowsuit and being so hot on stage. But it was yes. so fun. It was so hot. And. Sudeikis. We had. Celebrity- yeah, that's right. We had a lot of celebs. So the hot celebs came. I remember you were dressed fully as Michael Jackson, flirting with Jason Sudeikis, like with the glove and the fedora. And then you were, but you looked just like Michael Jackson and you were wondering if he was like into you. <laughs> yeah, I but felt I, like looked, you I, wasn't, I didn't look cute. I looked no. really kind of scary and no, weird. You looked terrifying. It was not yeah. good. It, it wasn't was, a good look. We have photos of it with the glove. You had a bomber jacket. And, and, he was like jammed in the middle of us on chairs, looking, being a good sport, but looking kind of captured, like by these two insane women that had kind of captured him, which was <laughs> just a GD delight. And we, you and I have just, we've done so many fun shows, so many terrible. Remember when we did that stand up gig at the dog track in New York? Like we went out to some dog racing track. And did stand up like in the middle of the casino, like in between oh. slot machines. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. And there was yeah. a headliner. There was a head, or you were the headliner. I was the headliner. I was the headliner. It was, it was, oh not, my- it was not our best work, but we got through it. That's when you're really, boy, has 45 minutes never seemed so long in my life. But Lisa, so I was like, I knew I wanted to do a feeling thorny. And I was like, who do I want to ask? And I just thought, Lisa's a big reader. Lisa loves books. Lisa knows me. She knows a lot about my family. We're the same age. And she also has a quirky family, although we grew up in very different parts of the world, very different. But I thought she would give sort of an honest, we have not chatted beforehand. And uh, she's finished the book. And we're just going to chat about the book. Lisa, you read it. Little Miss, Little Compton. Well, you say, you say that I'm, it's, yeah, it's such a fun read. It is such a delightful, fun, compelling read. And you say I'm a a reader, but I'm, to be honest, I, yeah, I like to think of myself as a reader, but I don't have the focus really to finish (laughs) books. It's hard. I, I start books. It's rare that I find a book that I'm, I get into and that I like want to, you know, like I, I, I'm excited to get back to it. And I absolutely felt that way about little miss little Compton. Yeah. It's, I mean, and also, you know, that as a comedian, a jaded old comedian, I, I don't laugh easily. Like, I mean, I don't just, it, it takes a lot to make me belly laugh. Yeah. And I, Swear to God, LOL'd my way through this book. Like that makes say, that makes me it, feel so good. Arden, I mean, I've always known um, to the listeners. I've always known that Arden is like you know a wordsmith. She's funny, like like rapid fire funny. You you're you have mad improv skills. 
but I, I had no idea that you, you could translate that into the written word and it is really well written. It's really, it's like, I feel like you've been writing books for years and, and I, I'm not just saying, like, I totally feel this way. I, not I, just because you're my friend. I can't, I, that means so much to me because I'm so, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, I do not say this lately because I know people out there who have been officially diagnosed or like, hey, like, I'm not saying this in like a joking way. There's a part of me that does, I feel that I probably have a little ADD. So the sheer fact, I've always, I've always been like a sprinter, not a marathon person of, I get things done, but if you watch me, it's organized chaos. Like it doesn't look, I don't look like a person that's getting things done. And as you know, even when we would prep for party machine, you were very much a straight line and I'm like a, I'm like a spiral. Totally. Yes. That is so true. You were like rapid fire, like shooting ideas out. But it's not in order. It's not in order. It's like, and so the sheer fact this to me, I don't know how this actually got, I don't, I don't know quite how it actually got made in that, that it had to be it's such a, you can't do a book in one night. You literally can't complete like podcasting is almost perfect for me, you know, like, so it was to think that I actually had to have an overarching thing, have it be organized, have it be long, and then like, have it make have each chapter sort of lead to the next and like be cleaned up and polished is so against how my brain and how I work that I it's and and it for anybody out there that's like wants to be an author if it makes you feel better I did not sit down and write it from like 8 a.m to 4 p.m like at first it was like 10 or 15 minutes a day like I just couldn't do it It it's too painful to stare at the blank page yeah. And I remember you, you telling me like when you were in the process of writing it, like that you would do these little time spurts. Yeah. And yeah, I would black out. Like it was almost, too, <laughs> I feel like, you know, cause it's also, cause it's about your life too. So it was, it's not even like the super personal stuff. Like it was interesting. What made me want to black out? Like the, they, the publisher requested a chapter of how I got so so for the listeners, like the gist of sort of the overall arch is my parents met and married on a dare in Manhattan and then moved to this tiny town of Rhode Island called Little Compton, Rhode Island, where I was born with my brother. And it's a town of 3000 people with a general store and the aforementioned criminal that's a crow and no stoplights. And I had stars in my eyes. And then somehow I made it onto an NBC sitcom by the time I was 22. And the publisher wanted to know how I got from the fields of Rhode Island to a soundstage in Los Angeles. And I remember writing that chapter. I blacked out like every other. I just kept thinking, who fucking care? Like, who do you think you are? Oh, look at me. I'm Meryl Streep. Like, it was literally... It, I couldn't uh, stop blacking out of like the arrogance to write, how dare you write, like who cares? And I remember thinking like, no, I would want to read that. If it was, if I was reading somebody else's book, I would absolutely, like, how'd you do it? But somehow writing it felt like braggy. I, yeah, I could understand having that feeling. Yeah. But this book is so not like that. This book <laughs> is is generous, if that makes any sense. And I think I told you, it kind of reminds me of, and I don't know if anyone out there knows this author named Jean Shepard, no. who wrote all of these stories, a lot of short stories, but about his 
upbringing in the Midwest. Yeah. And they're freaking hilarious because the details are so rich. But so you, you all probably will know that movie, A Christmas Story. Yes. Where they get their tongue stuck on the flagpole. Yes. That is based on a Gene Shepard novel. Okay. That's so, right. you know, it's just super quirky yes. and like the details. It, it, that's what I was really impressed by your memory because I did have a weird upbringing, but I, yeah. there's no way that I could like harness all of those details. I mean, I guess you probably, this was like a, an exercise in, in memory, like bringing back memories. I had, a, thankfully I had people I could call because I, you, you do start to go, did I make that up? Like, you know, again, look, I'm not writing about like Abraham Lincoln, you know what I mean? So like, I'm sure it's also filtered through my point of view or filtered from when you were a little kid of like what you've right. heard or what people tell you. So, so sometimes it's like like the family lore or like, you know, and you start to, but I did many times I kept being like, did this happen? So I would call, you know, like the sex ed chapter. I called my friend and I'm like, were we taught like about like Cleveland steamers and like golden showers in sex ed class in seventh grade when I'd never hold held hands with anybody? And my friend was like, yeah, you know, like things like that. Or even the crow, I had to go on Facebook page in my town and be like, was there a crow that stole the mail and got put under like, cause it's a federal crime, got put under house arrest in our town, you know? So look. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I was really like, had to keep asking like, cause you don't know what your brain, like you start pulling things in the deep. Cause sometimes I feel like I don't remember anything. And I kept having to like call my brother or call people and be like, did this happen? Like, is this, (laughs) it's so crazy. Reading it. When you read it, you're like, Holy shit, this is crazy. What like part all... struck what struck you as crazy? Um uh <laughs> well my family, the family can, stuff. Can I read a quote? Yeah, you can read anything. Okay, this is from your book. Mm-hmm. Um you're describing Little Compton. Mm-hmm. Little Little Compton established 1682, used to have three restaurants, but two of them burned to the ground. Currently, it has zero stoplights zero high schools, one local doctor who took a shit in the third hole at the local golf course, one train car that is parked in a field and is inhabited by 200 chickens, one cell phone provider. We just got our first cell tower at the town dump and one, and one toothless elderly lady who smokes a corn cob pipe and hangs out at the cash register of the general store and at home answers the door nude for the local delivery boys. So we are no podunk town. <laughs> yeah, that's a little. That's all accurate. The the woman who is nude has passed away. She has since passed away. So if you wanted to meet her, if you wanted to do a delivery, you're going to be disappointed. But there was this woman that would hang out at Wilbur's or General Store, and she <laughs> and she didn't have a license. And we, there's no grocery stores. And there's one store, Wilbur's. It's a general store. That's it. Like an old school established like in the 1700s general store. And so she would have Amazing. like the high school students drive groceries to her. And allegedly she would answer the door buck naked and she smoked a corn cob pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Poe the Crow is like, what? That. Is that real? And the and the and the whole thing about the department store yeah. boat. 
So there was a boat. So my town has no stores. Um, there's a, no, de- no department. It has a oh, one my. general store, right? One general store. So there's no clothing stores. There's no, it sort of looks like an island. It kind of, I think it's like similar in land to Nantucket, but it doesn't have restaurants or stores or movie theaters <laughs> or grocery stores or even a gas station anymore. It has like, it used, maybe the, I think there was a gas station, but I think the gas station got shut down and you have to drive to Massachusetts to get your gas. <laughs> oh my God. Is it still like that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's what's so great about it. There's one coffee shop that's in an apple orchard in a little barn and that's up in the town commons. Um, but uh, so there was one day I was in Wilbur's because that's where you go and the general store. And one of the fishermen ran in and said, there's bears on the beach. There's bears on Briggs beach. And I, you know, and you're like, what? Like, and we have like eight beaches because it's a peninsula. I was like, what do you mean there's bears on the beach? So we raced my friend Robin. She was a little older than me. I think I was 14. She was 16. She had a little yellow Volkswagen rabbit. We raced out of the beach. Can I wait? Can I interrupt you? You said, and this made me, this is one of my LOLs is you're like, where it got into her Volkswagen rabbit that had three, 300,000, it had 300,000 miles on it. I remember she got it. She was like, she got it with like, it was like $500. She saved up her, her babysitting money. She would, they would pile like 500 younger kids in there. No seatbelts. We drive to Massachusetts, go to the movies, and it's like 300,000 mile rabbit. So we go down to her, to the Briggs beach. And what was there, Lisa? What was at Briggs beach? There were just teddy bears everywhere, oh, everywhere. The beach was covered in teddy bears and all of the townsfolk were just going bananas, grabbing teddy bears. And then, and then you go on to say that the the whole, there were, I guess it was a cargo ship and there were like every department from the department store, Bradley's Bradley's, which is like a discount department store. So it's like not fancy. It's like, it's like there were shoes. I love the part about there were white tennis shoes and like, um, navy blue pumps with like with missing their mate <laughs> there was like different like there was women's left shoes were on one beach and then right shoes were on another and there would be swap meets up at the school to get like a full evening pair of shoes and it was like, <laughs> heel and magenta sweatshirts that all the my dad kept wearing Oh yeah, the sweatshirts. Wait, so what did the sweatshirts say? They were just teal and magenta and then there was like there was like um snowflake turtle like there was like and they were clearly <laughs> They were, it was like Christmas. I mean, people couldn't, so on each beach had like a different department. So you'd run down to a different beach and then people would be like, you got to go head over to Surfer's Beach because it's Surfer's Beach. They, you know, and then some of the, some of the uh, lobstermen would take their boats out. It was like these, there was the actual shipping container was stuck on a rock out in the river. So if you, uh-huh. so that, so not everything, like not every, there was some stuff that hadn't washed ashore and they went out and they climbed in the container and there was all these like TVs. It was like the electronic department. It was truly like <laughs> the gods had given little Compton a mall for the day and it was free and like everybody was psyched. And there's still, if you go rent a house for the summer, some of the house, and you can still do that from JJ's old little Compton real estate for all your summer rental needs. Ask for Adolf. Um, Adolf. Ask Adolf. for Adolf. <laughs> Adolf. Well, you, have a, you, have a, you have a great line about Adolf in there. I said, well, he might be named, there might be some historical bad Adolfs. This Adolf is like the nicest guy in the world. And I've even <laughs> seen him cry at a funeral. This is the best Adolf. <laughs> so you know, he's a great, there's he's a great stuff Adolf. Like that. Stuff like that is, is like, there's like 
20 of those funny, like weird things per page. It's so funny. Cause I, I mean, I'm sure if you did your, cause you have an unusual upbringing, but like, I, I didn't, like, I'm sure anybody, if you bought details, this was, a, what did, I have a very specific small town. It's so specific. Yeah. And then I had a specific, cause my parents weren't, they never dated. So they got married on a dare to get vacation time. They were co-workers trying to get the maximum vacation time. You got two extra weeks if you went on a honeymoon. So there was like, so I had the quirkiness of two Your people family. who had entered into on life on a dare and then moved from Manhattan to this tiny town. And then it's the quirkiness of the town, which again, I know this was just how I grew up. But then like when you get out in the world, you're like, oh, I have an unusual point of view. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And that's and how it all happened. I mean, you've been talking about your dad. I mean, I've heard stories about your father, Willie. Yeah. For you know, as long as I've known you. And yes. I've heard of the cookie hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I've always told you you've got to talk about your dad on stage more. Yeah. Like you've got to do him talk about it. It's it's he's yeah, it's just so hard to believe how strange your dad. He was, was truly. I mean, I feel like I sometimes I'll tell you what. Sometimes I feel like I don't know. I be I have tried over the years to talk about him on stage. I think it's almost more fun on the page, and maybe it would be fun yeah. in a scripted show as like seeing an actor do it. I, I think see that. Yeah, I think people almost black out because it almost feels so weird that they're yeah. like that they're like. I think then they also feel sorry for me and like they think they get protective of me and they're like, wait, that's your dad. Like, so that I think on the page, it's a very fun literary character. And I think on a TV show, he would be a great character. But in stand up, people are like blackout, like, I don't get it. This is weird. Well, that, that that's a good point. And he your descriptions of him fit in so perfectly in this book. It's like, yeah, he's just bizarre character in this bizarre setting. Yeah. And yeah. And then your mom is like this shining light of stability and normalcy. Yeah. And I mean, she also had her quirkiness. Yeah. It's Um, interesting. I got like the, it's an interesting combo, like a poo poo platter of like, of like (laughs) this salty, odd dude coupled with this incredibly upbeat, organized, supportive, but like to the point where she just wanted to be a mom, which I think is very unusual. Like I see how lucky I don't think I, I, again, I took that for, I, I, he could not have been less interested in being a dad. As right. equal, so it was like, as I had both ends of the spectrum of like, she wanted four kids. He wanted zero. They had two and they, they were both open about that. You know what I mean? So we were like her kids and he was, and, and it was an interesting combo of like the most dismissive salty dude. And then like, if you're a night owl of kids, you can stay up just, you know, making your magic. And I'm going to like, like school starts too early for my vampire kids. I'm going to bring them to school at 10, you know, just and like, she just would bring us to school late, like stuff like that. Where, oh yeah. I love that. I love that. Ooh, I don't know about you, but things are getting so hot in here. I think I got to take a pee break. 
There's a there's a something you say in here about your mom and how she just something about two messy night owls, you know, like she did. She just kind of like accepted it. She didn't try to change you guys. And that's whole, the whole thing about you guys being up all night. is <laughs> so funny, dude. We were. So my brother, my mom was such a Virgo organized list maker, like the most normal lady. And I think you add a, like a normal glass of milk. My mom was like a whole a glass of whole milk, a 16 ounce glass of whole milk. And then you take the gene pool of my dad and you just, even like if he wasn't actually parenting, you squirt in a little bit of that extra special spicy sauce. I feel like the dad sauce, the genetic sauce squirted into the whole milk is what created my brother and I, because my dad of course was up all night. And so from the time we were infants, she was trying to be a good lady and put her babies to bed. And my brother Alaric and I would just, we would literally look drugged out of our mind all day and be just like <laughs> passed out all day. And this still happens. I mean, it doesn't matter how tired I am. Once yeah. the moon starts coming out, she yeah. said that like we would just like spring to life and like coo and be like so happy in our cribs, like two little raccoons, just so like playful and delighted. The later it got midnight, one like just <laughs> wide awake and perky and wanting to play. And then eventually she just give up and was like, go to bed. Like it's the only time of day her kids were alert. And, uh, and that's, it was started that day one for both of us. I mean, we've just always been wired with a reverse cycle. It sucks. That's so um, hard. That's hard. It's hard. Can I, re- can I read this part about your you can mom? Read anything. You can read anything. Okay. This is about JJ. Calm, unflappable, pragmatic, and funny. Mama Bear Janet Marine was a roll with the punches kind of gal. She was an early bird, organized, list-making Virgo, who nevertheless embraced and accepted the fact that she had given birth to two messy late-night oddballs. <laughs> I love that. I know. I just love it. I mean, that's what I wanted it to feel. I wanted it to feel, you know, like for anybody out there who everybody's dealt a certain hand in life. You know what I mean? And I feel like most people. Most people aren't dealt a perfect hand. They just aren't. I, I, it's very few people I know are dealt a perfect hand. I don't think I know anyone. I don't trust them. No, <laughs> I'm not close with them. Yeah, and that, and that, too, they're too confident and secure. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm like, wait, you're, you don't have like voices in your head all like, and I, I will say that like, I wanted it to feel hope. And by the way, a, a lot of people don't have somebody like my mom, like, but that, it literally could be anybody. It could be that you can overcome. Cause my dad was nasty. Like he just, he just never liked me. And that, you know, it, you can even be your own person that's accepting of you. It's like, like that, you know, I used to feel like, and I say this at the end, but I used to feel like a four legged chair where one of the legs was broken. And then I realized like, there's nothing wrong with being like a three legged stool. Like, and that, look, even if it's just yourself, you can learn how to like balance on a pogo stick like that. It It's it's not that it's OK, but that like sometimes people just can't do it. And like I spent so long trying to chase and like make it OK. And, and it wasn't until I sort of freed myself of like, oh, this is never going to happen. Yeah. And it never did. Like I, I but I sort of freed him like, you know, his mom was tough and. 
Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't an easy ride for him either, but I mean, I certainly wouldn't wish him on anyone, but like, like I was driving myself crazy at a certain point when you're an adult, it's like, I have no control over what happened when I'm younger, but like, this is still affecting me now. And I gotta, I gotta, I can't keep chasing this person. That's never, it's like Lucy and Charlie Brown in the football. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And you say like he, some people just don't have the ability to love. Yeah. I think he didn't for, for whatever reason. Yeah. 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 And in a way it's like you, you're, you're having compassion for him and, you know, I was asked by a reporter who was kind of a dick, if I'm being very honest, but like, I was asked by a reporter, of course it was, whatever. I was asked by a reporter, he's like, why didn't you write your dad? I was like, like, this is my story. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not here. Like, look, it doesn't mean that I wasn't affected by the guy and it certainly didn't, like, it wasn't painful and there's not still, you know, there's still marks from like in my heart here. Like there's still, but the reality is what good is it going to like, you know what I mean? It's, I wouldn't want to go on a road trip with my dad right now, <laughs> but like, but like he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And then look, let me also just say between all of this happening and me chatting with you now, there's been a lot of like therapy, introspection, group things. You don't know, like it's certainly not like the Pollyanna, like there's certainly been a lot of feelings around it. It's, it's because it was driving me crazy trying to get it. I didn't do it for him. I did it for me because I yeah. was, he wasn't thinking about it. I was the one that was the lunatic trying to like get this connection or whatever. So it was, I did it selfishly. Cause I, I was, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I, I, I'm always fascinated in, in uh, that JJ. Yes. I mean, her sort of, um, you know, keep chugging along, uh, you know, I don't, is that how she managed to just sort of put her, just kind of put blinders on to, to, to deal with him and how I, he was. You know, I've thought about that a lot. And I think, you know, well, first of all, like love is such a mystery. Like I really felt like, who knows? Like I really, I do believe she just like, for whatever reason, she loved, like, and he treated her differently. They had a different dynamic, you know? Mm. Um, But I think she also grew up in a generation where no one in her family ever got divorced. And, um, And I think it was very much like part of the dare I always wonder, like, I didn't know that they got married on a dare until I was like 15 and actually was like, oh, like it it was a, it was illuminating. Like, okay, I get it now. Like, okay, that I get, I get, I couldn't add up why they were together. And I think that she, you know, she, so she'd been dumped by her college boyfriend the year before who she loved. And I, oh, and, wow. she, and she thought she was an old maid at 23 and I think it was very much your value at that time. Like she literally wore white gloves to work like a madman and got chased around the desk by her. So it was a different era. And I think, you know, maybe like her, I think her heart was fully open with her last boyfriend who she, I think she thought was she was going to marry. And then yeah. it, he, she got dumped. So again, we've all, I've been, in, I know when I've had my heart broken or 
had my ego and had my ego bruised. I think my dad was fun. I think mm-hmm. she'd never met anybody like him. He was kind of an adventure. The other guy was like a safe, nice guy. Like he was a little wild. He took her down to South America for a month. Like it was like, oh, oh yeah, that was like, if we get married, like, so they went to South America. I think he swept her off. I think it was like this adventure that this very good leave it to be for a lady, which I get, it just, the dare went on too long. <laughs> but if it hadn't, I wouldn't be here. But I do think that, I think her blind spot was him. I think, you know, and it was sort of that, what's sort of great about her, which I respect is her sort of, you just, you know, you just, she wasn't the most introspective gal. So it was like, we're going to go to TJ Maxx and get some throw pillows. And like, which I respect her sort of like on with it, roll up your sleeves, keep going. But I think, you know, it was, we're definitely a generation that talks about our feelings more, I think in general in this nation. And I think she just wanted everything. It's like, it's everything has to sort of look fine because that's how she was brought up. I mean, was it, I know you're, how old were you when your parents got divorced? Actually, I was in my early twenties. Wow. So, yeah. So they kind of, they kind of held that, held it, held on for a while. Yeah. And they weren't a good match. No, neither are mine really, but. <laughs> they had something. They, I think they Willie- did. And Janet had something. I agree with you. And I actually feel like, I actually feel like she missed him. Like, I actually feel like that's part, I feel like, I agree with you. And he did treat her, you know, would I have wished for more for her? Yeah. You know, but like, again, I think as an adult, I spent so many years going, why? why?" And it's like, it's kind of none of my business. Like at a certain point, love is a mystery. It's like who I certainly have had a soft spot for somebody that perhaps my friends were like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Same. Me too. Everybody and you know has. What? And I think in like your, your mom, like she was happy, you know, yes, she, was she was a happy, positive energy. And that is such a good, that's what we want in a mother, you know? Yeah. I've been lucky for that. Yeah. And, and the fact that she didn't let, Oh, Willie's, you know, you know, emotional absence, get her down or whatever. Just his lack of interest in fathering. And I think she was happy to have my brother and I to herself. I mean, like we we had the best time. I mean, truly, we were the three musketeers. We like when it was just we laughed. We it was like it was. We just laughed and laughed. My brother is amazing. He's, and he's going to be at the show. He's completely, I mean, you've met my brother. It's like on the outside, we seem like polar opposites. And yet we are like yin and yang. We're completely created by the same, like the same maker created both of us. We're fully JJ Marine's creations because she really fanned into us. Not in a way that was like, all my kids deserve trophies, but it was like, what makes your tail wag? What's your special gift? Protect it. You don't need to go to a fancy college. You don't, it doesn't, it's not about the fancy stuff. What's your special gift to give to the world? And, and my brother, he has a different path, but he's completely created by the same person. Yeah. Yeah, Thank God. She really, she balanced it out. Like she, she, she tipped the scale you know, towards oh. loving, nurturing, yeah. supportive. 
Um, and and then she, but but she was hard. I mean, like her her number one rule in life was don't be a drip. Like, yeah, no, I could see that being hard too as a kid. Like, we can't sit around and feel sorry for ourselves because sometimes you just need to sit around and feel sorry yeah. for yourself. Oh no, trust in that. Like, no, yeah, there's no. It's like you got to get on, get over it, and get on with it. It's a very New England side. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about Alaric's sheety head? Yes, so, so we can talk about so- sheety head. God, that cracks me up. Just, Would you want to describe for our listeners what Sheedy Head is? Well, when Alaric, well, first of all, you describe Alaric, he's wearing, when he's like, how old? He's wearing like giant businessman glasses. So he was born blind in one eye. So even he's one of those babies, like, which I love a baby in a pair of glasses. Totally. So, and his eye was like, literally like one eye was looking at you and the other eye was looking at like to like, you know, oh. you know and so they, it wasn't until it was like two that they had it surgically corrected that they both would look at you. But at, back in the day, they didn't they didn't know how to like because his eyesight was so bad. They didn't know how to like thin out the lenses. So it's the largest businessman, like a toddler in full like 1970 thick businessman Coke bottle glasses. Are you kidding me? The cutest and, thing. Huge Andy head. Had, Andy had a, a melon head. He had a he, giant noggin. He has a huge head. The best part was my mom. He also was born bald on top with like, with like long monk hair. And my what? mom, my mom later on confessed. She was like that you're, I, I mean, I don't have kids, but she's like, she's like, your chemicals are so bad shit when you've given, she goes, I couldn't believe I had given birth to the most beautiful baby that had ever been given birth to. She was like, I really don't realize that one eye was looking the wrong way. And he had like a full head of like monk hair. But like, <laughs> so his head was so large that she would catch him just leaning. And he, she also didn't know he was anemic. So she just thought he was really mellow as a baby. Like she didn't know it was complete iron deficiency that he just sat still all day because he had no iron in him. They didn't know that. So he, so his, but she saw him as like a toddler, even as like she would find him and hit him resting his gigantic head on a table. And she'd be like, Alaric, are you okay? And she's like, he's like, it's just so heavy. It's so big. You don't know how hard it is to hold it up. So by the way, yeah, cutest fucking kid you've ever seen. Like just adorable, huge head, giant glasses, genius. So yes. So he has a big head glasses, businessman glasses. He's about probably at this point with shitty head. He was probably like four. Oh, so he's just a cute little four-year-old with a giant head and glasses. <laughs> and he created a sort of um, invisible friend. Or no, I guess it was like he basically had a, a crib sheet. Yes. Like a, white, a white crib sheet. A fitted crib sheet. A fitted crib sheet that he would put over his head. And with the elastic part on his yeah. like forehead. And there's a photo in the book. And he would run and he could use it like a cape or a cloak. Or if he got scared, he could roll up into it like a ball and nobody could see him. He could be a ghost. And it was like his, it was the equivalent of like his blankie or his binky, but it was called Sheedy Head. Sheedy Head. Very versatile. Very versatile. It was very versatile. And he would run with it like a cape. And then there's the story in the book of how the day Sheedy Head, my mom had had enough of Sheedy Head. And it was time for Sheedy Head to go missing when they took the ferry to go see my grandparents. If it's time for Sheedy Head to go by, she could, she'd had enough of her. She like, that's the thing about JJ. I feel like parents today are just so accepting of their kids. She's like, I don't want no weirdo kid running around, no Sheedy Head. <laughs> like, it was just like so 80s, get on with it. Like, that's a little weird for me. Don't be a drip. Okay, we're taking that freaking Sheedy Head off your head. Like, uh uh-uh. uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, you know, there's, it's like, that's why there's like an age where, you know, you, you kind of got to stop breastfeeding at a certain age. It's like, Dude. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw sheety head away at some point. Can we discuss my favorite story about you and breastfeeding? Can we discuss a friend of yours who was breastfeeding their like adult child on New Year's Eve and you'd like hooked up with somebody? It was like New Year's Day. Oh, it was, it was New Year's Day. We were sitting in an out. <laughs> We were sitting at an outdoor cafe. Yeah. And he said he wanted to, you know, breastfeed. He said it. Like old enough. In a complete sentence. Yeah. He requested it. And she was like, you know, she was trying to wean him off. And she was like, well, if you're going to do it, you have to, you know, go under the blanket because people will think it's inappropriate, basically. He's like five or six at this point. He's like five. I think he was like maybe four and a half or something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but he was talking. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a doll. I love this child and I love, I love his parents. Um, but I was, <laughs> we were, I was telling them about these two guys that I had been dating. Yeah. Um, and I was describing one and then she, my friend, you know. Weren't you talking like, about sleeping with one of them? I think you were talking about sleeping with one of them. Like, I mean, was I think, you know, involved. I was. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to my adult friends yes. about, yeah, some, you know, dating story. Like I yeah. had hooked up with somebody and, yeah. and not even dating. Yeah, it was a, anyway, so then she told him he needed to take a nap and he was like, but I want to hear about the other guy. <laughs> yes, that, that That's, to me. God. And I was like, did he just, wait, is he, he was listening. He was That's, listening. He wanted to know about he wanted to know about bachelor number two behind the second door. The first one had taken you home, but what, he wanted to know about bachelor number two. He'd yeah, been he listening to the be, whole thing. And he is one of those kids that loves talking to grownups, which yeah. is so cute. So, yeah. Um, There's a, there is a story for your book. You That is a great... And your dad, your dad is um, a different kind of quirky dad, but I'm going to say... Equally as quirky, Gary. Lisa's been to Burning Man with her dad. Her dad yep. has built this loft out of this. It's the coolest thing out of like a warehouse where he's like welded this stage and hosted raves. And oh yeah, uh, Gary's Gary and Willie are like equally quirky on different journeys. Uh, it would be so priceless if the, those two men could have been in the same room. They would have loved each other. <laughs> Oh my God. Are you, by the way, if you weren't Willie's kid, everybody loved Willie. It was just hard. You just didn't want to be his kid. That was, yeah. The, you talk about that in the book too. Oh, the, the work ethic thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> your mom had this great work ethic and yeah. she became a real estate agent. Yeah. Uh, but your dad basically like once you guys moved out to little Compton was just like retired. You know, like at like 30, at like 30. <laughs> Did your mom support him? He, I was, again, you're like, it was a New England house without a lot of information. So you're like sort of a little kid piecing it together. Right. I get the feeling, you know, they bought their house for not a ton of money, you know, it was, and so he, he had enough of a little, he had a little bit of money that would cover enough to cover himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
So JJ, basically. so JJ, so JJ went to work and which she liked because she liked yeah. working. She was a working gal and uh, she got her because there's not that many t- business choices in Little Compton. You're like a cop or a lobsterman or you work at the gas station or you're a plumber. So she sold houses, which was, fun, which was great. And yeah. she, but she would pay, she paid for Alaric and I and herself. And then your dad decided at one point in the 60s to go back to work just during tax season because he was a, a, a CPA. He was a CPA. He went back to work three months a year. He was at an all-ladies accounting firm. And it was the most fascinating thing because what was his persona at work, Lisa? He was like this teddy bear who like... <laughs> You know, t- talked to the you know, gave the girls dating advice and he, brought them brought them baby shower gifts and like they love. He was like a sweetheart. They loved him. So bizarre. So bizarre. <laughs> Quite honestly, that's why I really believe I've and in the book I got like a few little tips in there. I really believe work is good for the soul. I really believe even like a a B job or I don't believe there's a B job. I think it's all one that like it's good to go connect with people. It makes you feel good about yourself and that particularly if you're, you know, in the creative arts and like you know, when we started in New York and everybody had day jobs and, you know, oh, no, yeah. everybody. And so, yep. um, I, I, I was, it wasn't until I moved out here that I was like, where does it, what does everybody, how do people pay their bills? And so, but that, but that if you have, at least if you know that you can pay next month's rent so that when you go on an audition or you're touring as a musician, or if you have a painting you want to sell, whatever your deal is, that you're not demanding that you need to book that job. You're not demanding so much of your art that like it adds that frenzy into it, that if you know your bills are covered, it's like all, there's no shame in that game to me. And I think I got that from my mom. Totally. And I always felt that way. Like I never wanted to, to depend solely on my art for my income because it just put too much pressure on it. And then it made it not fun. Then it was super stressful and desperate in a way, you know, to. And then you get isolated when you're not out working and like, and I also think as a creative person, look, I didn't want to go do stand up at a dog casino, but then you get the funny story of doing stand up at a dog. Like, I feel like no matter what your, what your medium is, all of your interactions you know, if you're working at a mailbox place, you got the crazy customer, like anything you're doing, I think keeps you engaged enough that you, it, it can be f- creative fuel for whatever you're working on. I think. Absolutely. And I will say about your book. Yes. You know, not only is it like fun and entertaining and hilarious and heart and heartfelt there. I love that the, there's like, uh, nuggets of wisdom peppered throughout. And you've, I've always, you know, you've given, I, I still think about your nuggets of wisdom that you, like, uh, you told me what, you know, cause you know, I've had some bad luck with dating. <laughs> what does the other guy look like? <laughs> I've had, yeah. I've had a bad picker. Oh, please. up until very recently have I started actually refining my picker. It's hard to refine the picker. 
It's hard. It's hard. But you, you, one of the things I remember you telling me that I've always actually stuck to is, I think you said like in the first three months, maybe, or don't talk about your family stuff. Yeah. And don't, don't talk about ex, exes. I, I ha- again, I mean, I feel like one of the things I wanted to write in the book in a fun way, but because I, I grew up with this odd roadmap and there was so much great stuff. I got a real belief in going for it and creative stuff. But like, as far as like personal life, my parents married on a dare. My roadmap was nuts. Like I didn't know how to set boundaries with friends or with guys. Like there were certain parts of adulthood I didn't know how to do. And I feel like I've actually really been like a student of like a happy life and really, really worked on Cause I, again, growing up in this tiny town with the general, like I really had to learn almost like a cult member coming out into society. Like, how do I do this? And so there's a lot of stuff in the book. Take it, take what you like, leave the rest. But that, um, yeah. So one of the things was, I think because I did grow up with sort of a tough dad, I felt like secretly, you know, and I believed I had a lot of shame. I felt like a lot, I believed a lot of what he told me about myself. And so I, I was afraid that if you met me at a party and I seemed fun and sparkly, but if you got to know me, there was like some darkness. I was worried that I'd scare people off. And, and so I would almost like trauma bond. So it's like, I almost just wanted to tell people right away or tell people like, and almost use it as like this connection or have somebody screwed me over or my bad de- or whatever. And like, I learned what, like wh- why then you just keep perpetuating the same thing over and over. You're mostly just interacting with yourself, you know? So right, it's, right. Like, so it's like, why not give this person in front of you the dignity of their own experience that it's not every person you've ever dated. It's not every person. They're not out to get you. Like, why not have a blank slate? And like, and I, and at first I did not know what to talk about. So I would have to go see, I would go see like documentaries and then I would go to like museum exhibits and I would just find like, literally, what do you talk about if you're not trauma bonding? So it was like, it was retraining my brain. I didn't know how to do it, but just to see if you like each other, like not everybody needs to know all your secrets right away. Like, yeah. and, And it's not all about the negative, everybody that's ever screwed you over. It's so glass half empty. You're almost just setting it up to happen again, you know? So true. And I think it's just so common. Oh, yeah. It's hard. When we were watching The Bachelor, we commented on that. Like all the girls, the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, yeah. Oh, I was abused and, you know, the terrible thing. And they couldn't wait to tell the guy. Well, and I'm sure the producers are like, that's your hook, you know? And I was like, okay, like, uh, yeah, it's an interest. You know, it's and again, I think part of what, going back to that rude reporter, it's like I can't help what was said to me. That's not about me. Like the core of who I am isn't everything bad that's ever happened to me. Like I, it's a much more positive experience than that. Like I, I that that's not my problem. Like it, it definitely affected yeah. me, and I got like it hurt. But like that's about the person that's doing. That's not me. So yeah. why would I spend my whole book doing that? What did the reporter say again? Oh, yeah, I think he wanted me to like be harder on my dad. And I just said like, you know, I just had to figure out what book am I writing? This isn't Angela's Ashes. I give enough to know, like, <laughs> I give enough to know, like, okay, this is not a father of the year. But like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not, this is a hopeful book. This is a positive yes. book. And like, yes. 
I don't need to, I'm, I am not the sum of my war stories, nor are you. Everybody's had stuff happen. And like, if all you do is amplify the negatives and it's not just pretend it didn't happen, but like, but like, I actually, it, every life turned out pretty good. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the book's about. That's what the book's about. It, you know, in spite of the, the, the quirks, the quirks, <laughs> the quirks, uh, yeah. Uh, trying to think of some of my favorite. Well, can we all, can we talk about, uh, back to Willie? Yeah. Um, one of his, so in the book you talk about, you know, basically your mom was in charge of raising the kids, but there was one thing <laughs> that she had Willie do Yeah, because she just, she couldn't, yeah. it, was, it was too much for her. She well, couldn't handle, t- so basically she literally did all of our parenting except for one thing. And that was, she actually cared for her own life and could not handle teaching my my brother and I how to drive. And because I lack focus and my brother lacks peripheral vision because he's blind. <laughs> and so we, we knew how to drive. My parents, by the way, would let us drive a Volkswagen bug but when we were like 10, like up and down the street. So like I knew how to actually operate a vehicle, but, but you know, it's if you're planning on ever leaving little Compton and going above 35 miles an hour where a tractor is, my dad took us up to Route 128 outside of Boston, which is basically like the Autobahn, but it's filled with like mass holes with like uh, Camaros and mall bangs. And uh, he taught us how to drive in like the fastest, most aggressive highway in America. And he took us up to the Roy Rogers parking lot in his uh, Mazda Miata with his vanity plates. And, uh, and, he gave my, was one piece of advice, which you've always loved, Lisa. All he said was, he goes, all right, kiddo. No, it wasn't even that loving. It was, all right, kid. He who hesitates gets killed. I was like, what? He goes, he who hesitates gets killed. Go. And basically, like, if you're going to merge, merge. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get on the highway, like you can't hesitate. If you're gonna, if you're gonna change lanes, you better fucking change lanes. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, a, he's right. He's right. It's really good advice, I think, in life. Like, if that's the one piece of advice I got from him, I have to say, I think he who hesitates gets killed. Works <laughs> in every does. situation. It does. It's good advice. It does, and, and, it, and it shows in the way you live your life. I, yes. I, I've always said that. Like, that's I'm your brave. slogan. I'm brave. I'm physically. brave. I am You're brave. You're fucking brave. I am very brave. I'm bold. I do it. I get it done. I'm careful physically with myself unless I'm filming something. If I'm filming something, I'm brave. If it's real life, I'm cautious physically. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're the chancellor of, uh, I'm the chancellor of safety. I'm the grand chancellor Chancellor of safety safety, patrol. Which is a, which is a chapter in the book, folks. Yes. Yes. Hilarious. I am. Can we talk about, can we talk about one part in that, in that chapter? Yeah. Which I, there's a lot of stuff in here that I relate to big time, which I'm sure a lot of people would relate to. Um, but you're with a group of college friends. Yeah. Is it a, is it spring break? Spring or, break. Spring break. Lake a pa- real spring break in Lake Powell, the world's largest man-made lake in Arizona. The world's largest man-made lake. Like these are nightmare. the details. It's a nightmare. 
the fact that you throw in man-made lake, it's like, oh, <laughs> mwah, you know, ki- kissing chefs. Like, it's so good. Because if you, man-made lake. So many people would just say a lake, you know, but you're like man-made lake. It just <laughs> changes things. Yeah. And so every, you know, everyone's like drunk on this yeah. part, party barge. Yeah. And then they go to some cliff to start yeah. cliff jumping. Yeah. And you're like, no, thank you. No, no. Everyone was drunk. There was a lot of other drunk boaters around that. It, first of all, I was a redhead in the Arizona sun. <laughs> crying myself with drunk people on water, which is a terrible idea. Already I was on high alert. I didn't like it, but I was like, all right, fine. I was, I was trying to be young and free freshman year in college, trying my best 18 year old Arden. And, and I grew up by the ocean. I know there's rocks underwater that you can't see even in a man-made lake. I don't know what they left behind making that lake. I don't know what's in there. So they were jumping off cliffs. They were the largest cliffs I have ever seen. It was all the guys. And I was like, okay, ladies, this is bullshit. We're not going. And then I turn around. They were all gone. They were up there racing. Everybody but me it was like the beginning of a teen horror movie jumping off the lake. And I didn't want to do it because I knew it was a terrible idea because I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to land. I knew I'd been drinking. I didn't know what was under the water. And I, I will say though, I am susceptible to peer pressure. (laughs) And they made me jump off the lake and other people were like swan diving or like, (laughs) and I was like, I'll just jump straight into the lake. I'll just fucking just, let's just end this. Let me just, this is, I can't wait to be done with college. I'm so not into this. This is so not my jam. Can I read? Do you want me to read from it? Please. Okay. Yeah. So this is from uh, taking it where you're leaving off here. Fine. This is Arden talking. Fine. I'll jump once. Okay. I climbed up to join all the revelers and looked down. It suddenly seemed a thousand feet high. I like roller coasters, but this was insane. One, two, three, jump. I jumped. I did not dive. I was soaring and flailing through the air feet first. Before I knew it, I was rocketing into the water. I was safe, sort of. My entry into the lake felt like what can best be described as an enema, (laughs) the size of Lake Powell rushing up my asshole. I had had just lost my anal virginity to a man-made lake. No, wait, this is my favorite part. People were swimming up to high five me. I was surprised that there was any water left for anyone else to swim in as surely all of it had moved into my lower body cavity. <laughs> Dude, there was so much water up my asshole. <laughs> it hurt so much. It was so you got an enema. I got an enema once water skiing. You've had I- that. You've had it. Did you have to find a bathroom fast? There was a liquidation that had to happen. It was. Look, you and I've discussed on the podcast and on our Patreon, which you can go to now. You can get uh, like a hundred extra episodes. If you're like, girl, I just want, I want to watch people dating. We've discussed on our Patreon episode when you're in a panic and it's time. I don't know if there was ever as large of an emergency as there was that day because I was with 40 women and men from my college who I had still had four years to go with as a freshman. 
no bathroom, no bathroom nearby because I was at a man-made lake. I don't use it with a party barge, not a cigarette boat to get me. That's not a fast moving vehicle. <laughs> that was, I'm going to say code red, like code fire, like co- next level panic, just the level of panic. That was, I will say this. When I set out to write the book, I really went like channeling the worst moments of my, like just at, did it, did it, did us by going, did us buying the vibrating cock rings for the party machine end up in the book? Cause I've had that in drafts with the no, guy. It didn't. It you didn't. and I, you and I had a baby shower party. This was, this was in a draft. It was a bachelorette party. It was we bachelorette. did a bachelorette party. And so you and I, who are not for the party, the, for, for our show, party, party, for party machine. machine. So a party machine, bachelorette party. So we, you know what? Every time at a bachelorette party, they have like penis headbands and penis necklaces. So we went in New York City to like some like a sex horny, store, a sex store, like horny world or whatever on like 7th Avenue. World? And it was covered we, in dust. We were, we were all about the props for our it show. It was all about the props. And it was like really dumb, like a light up penis headband, things like that. And I remember, so this was in a draft. It didn't end up in it. But I remember the guy eating like a gray pile of meat with his hands, like a pile of meat with ketchup and meat, shoveling it in. And you were so, because you grew up in a like a very, very religious family. You were not yeah. even allowed to listen to secular music. Like you don't know any pop culture references because you didn't, you were, it was a very, very, very religious family. That's true. So, you in a sex store with this man who is shoveling meat in with his hands. And, and I'm, I'm not like the raciest gal around. You went up to the counter and you said, oh, what's this? As we were purchasing things. And he was like, that's a vibrating, it's a vibrating cock ring. And you're like, oh, and he goes, he goes, you put it on. Yeah. What it was basically was saying, it was like, yeah, like I put it on and it tickles your clit. And you were like, like, like watching you. It was everything in there was covered in dust, looking at ketchup and gray meat, watching this man talk about how he was going to put it on himself and watching you still try to be polite with like a light (laughs) headband on your head. Oh, yeah. And I so basically you catalog when for me, when I was writing the book, I was cataloging. It was basically like worst of, you know what I mean? You catalog worst of. Yeah. I mean, it's just rich. That's what I, I, thank you so much. If I could use one word, this book is rich. Bone zone. Let's get in the bone zone, guys. So, overall, if somebody was on the fence and they haven't bought it yet, Lisa, is there any final thing that you want to leave the listeners with? There's so much. Uh, Humping dogs. Uh, <laughs> oh, I want. Here's what I wanted to talk about, JJ. And yeah. you talked about how you grew up with. Um, I guess was it JJ's mom, Hilda? Yeah, yeah. Was a was really it was a card shark. I mean, there's yes. this whole there's this whole part in there about you growing up and your grandmother like teaching you how to play poker, and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, and then you end up going to a casino. I mean, there's just, but I, I just wanted to, to talk about when you and I play cards with JJ. Oh my God. That's right. So JJ was out here. JJ loved Lisa. 
And I, we hit it off like immediately. I met you two at that, at that diner. At the one-on-one diner. And then when and she that was came, the first time I'd met your mom after all those years of knowing you. I, that's shocking to me. Cause she would come to party machines, but she would probably take off. What? She'd she been came- to party. Yeah. She's been to party machines. And so then she met, we went to the movies what and did we that, see? I can't remember. Probably something dumb. We love dumb movies. It was about that like football jock who came out as gay. Oh, okay. It was I like loved a teen, a teen movie. See, that's perfect. Classic JJ. She loved a teen movie. And yep. then you came over. So she loved Lisa. So she, she loved coming to visit. She loved the girls. She's very social butterfly. And she just, my dad had died like a couple months earlier. And we were trying to encourage her to go on dating apps and she didn't like yes. it. She didn't want to date men her own age. She yeah. did. She said, she didn't she ask you if you'd ever seen old man balls and that you should never <laughs> see old man balls. Yes. And she had a funny story about one guy she'd date gone out with. What was that story? She'd gone out with a few of them. And I think it was basically like, she's so fun that they were all like, yeah. And that but like Duds. all of them were like duds, like looking yeah. for somebody to entertain them. And then she was like, I don't want to, cause she hadn't been on the dating scene since she was 22. So all of a sudden she still felt like she was 22, but she's now having to like p- match up with like 75 year old guys. And she's like, yeah. I don't, Thing. Or as she said, homie, don't think so. Cause she loved in loving comedy. She would always say, homie, don't think so. But so then, <laughs> so then you came over to visit and then JJ loved to play games. So we're like, let's play some cards. So we taught you how to play pounce, which is like group solitaire. Yes. And JJ loved Lisa, but the two of us were like staring at you and could not believe how bad <laughs> at cards. Like we didn't understand. Like, I am so, I am so bad at cards. Like, What did my mom's face look like? <laughs> you know, it was a mix of like pity. Yeah. But also like respect. Okay. You she know, she you. was, she loved you. She was forgiving because oh, she, yeah. she, she saw, she, she got it. Like she's well, like, she, Oh, okay. she knew that you weren't brought up by like maniacs. Like I was raised by maniacs. And it was like what they were into, they were super into, and they're going to make sure you're good at it too. And like, they're not going to take it easy on you because you're five. Like you're, you just get, it's that New England, like it's get in the water. We don't care that it's four degrees. We're going for a swim. Like they are maniacs. And oh my God. You you didn't have the right uh, kind of like heavy handed schooling as a young five-year-old. Yeah, it's a slow, it's, I'm a slow moving, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. slow, but I'm good. I have a t-shirt with a turtle on it that says I'm, sl- I may be slow, but I'm good. <laughs> I am fully trying to in life. Cause I've always been the, you know, like the tortoise and the hare. I've always been the hare, but the tortoise wins in the end. So I've been trying to adopt the tortoise lifestyle because it's not my natural habitat. Well, I'm still, I'm friends. still, that's why we're friends. That's why we're friends. That's why we're friends. And you well, were the one who read this and you said, Arden, and it's not your memoir. It's your memoir. It's a memoir. It's a lovely, tribute. lovely tribute to JJ. Yeah. Who gave herself that nickname. She was Janet until she was 75. And then she started signing all of her emails and texts. XOJJ. <laughs> which we and you a- honor that. And you honor that. 
I mean, truly, it felt so insane to me that you could give yourself your own nickname to begin with at any age, that you could give your, nobody gave it to her. Okay. She's like, so that at 75, you could give yourself a nickname and just go so whole. And everybody in town calls her JJ. It was just like, so I, of course I'm an honor. JJ, like to me, JJ was like a fresh start. JJ was on the dating apps. JJ wanted to date Rob Benedict. Like, yeah, I'll call you JJ. Like JJ is like, she would say like with the dating of the guys, like the old men, she wanted, she wanted to date Rob Benedict. And she said, I don't want to be a nurse or a purse, like for an old guy. Yes. I don't want to be a nurse or a purse. I don't want to pay for him. And I don't want to take care of him. Like I've done oh. that. I don't want to be a nurse or a purse. I'll date your friend, Rob. And Rob said, I would date your mom. He's and that's cute. why we love her. He's so cute. Yeah. He's cute. Yeah. Yeah. We love Rob. Well, Lisa. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, from somebody who doesn't really read very much and you know, I have a hard time getting through books. I love that. I introduced you as a reader and you know what? That's the kind of friendship we have. I believe in you as a reader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have some books. Yeah. Have I, I haven't read them all, but I, you know, I've read this book twice, actually. Yep. And it's like I read it the second time and I felt like I hadn't re- ever read it before. It's because it, it's just, I don't know. It's, um, I go back to the word rich and it's just super entertaining and funny. And then there's the, you know, there's like some real serious kind of dealing with grief and yep. it, it kind of in the end. And, and, um, uh, and a shout out to this podcast. I gave a shout out to the podcast in it. Cause you know what? Yep. They showed up for me. They weren't scared of it when it all happened. And that like the gift of it is that you can actually like the hope, because I feel like the world right now is having collective, like it's a, it, people are mourning their normal lives. Some people have lost people. Like, is that you, it may not be our best year ever collectively, but you can still have some fun. And we don't need to make it our worst. Like you could still have some sparkles along the way. And like, and I think it's a good book for right now. Absolutely. And what do you say about, you have to walk through it about grief. Like you got to feel it to heal it. Oh man, you got to feel it to heal it. You got to feel it to heal it. It basically, if you don't deal with it, it's going to deal with you. So you may as well deal with it. But I give a fun look, honestly, some of my healing like recommendations are literally watching stuff like The Bachelor or watching Queer Eye or Great British Bake Off or going on walks or dancing. Like it's not all like, I mean, like hug it out, talk it out, cry it out. It's only like one little part, you know, one of the upshots of grief. I'm like, I was, I am the biggest people pleaser and the upshot of losing JJ, I just couldn't do it anymore. I had no skin on my body and it was just like very clear to me, who do I want to hang out with? Who don't like an email would come in like an invitation and my body would just have a reaction and I would either feel like, yeah, I want to be with them or like no fucking way. And I couldn't force myself to people please. Whereas the rest of my life, I'd be like, oh, I should go or I should do that or have a work thing. And uh, one of the upshots was like, it became really clear, like what works and who, what works, and just leaning into that. And that I don't need to people please anymore. And like, that's been a really good thing. I hope that lasts for me. Yeah. And, and also that you kind of, in a way, like you say that there's, you're not, there's nothing really that you can be afraid of anymore because the worst possible thing has happened. You know, and that much to my surprise, 
So that was last year. Much to my surprise, it was also like a beautiful, great year. Like that's the thing. It can be all of it. It can be all of it. I used to be such a worry ward. And you're like, I still tend to worry sometimes, but I do now know that that's like my, I don't have, like there's, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's just habit. I'm going to, first of all, Lisa, what a great interviewer. What a great interviewer. NPR, watch out, all things considered. Here she is, Lisa Delarios. Will you help me put, so I'm going to call people's names. If I call your name, email us and go, hey, bitch, you call my name, rosepodcast at gmail.com, and you get your choice. You tell me if you want a t-shirt, if you want a little, little Compton sturdy great tote bag, or if you want a meet the authors with Arden and Mittens recreation of my sixth grade photo puzzle, I'm pulling four winners. And don't forget to uh, get your tickets in advance for Dynasty Typewriter uh, this Saturday, the 26th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can get That's, your book. It's I'm going to go. I'm going you should to come. We can, we might pull you up, um, but it's virtual. And if you buy your ticket in advance, you'll get a link and it'll go, it's only $5 and it'll be up all week. And if you buy your book through that website, you can have me sign it to you or your loved one or somebody you hate. I don't know. All right, Lisa, I'm picking four winners. Tell me when to stop. Okay. Okay. Tell me when to stop to pick one. Oh, stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay the first winner is. Sue Stellick, you won the gift of your choice. Okay. Sue, way to go. Number two, tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Okay. All right. Ooh, she was the third person to email in. Mary Bennett, you probably bought your book back in February. You just want something. Come on, Mary. Okay, two more. Two more. Tell me when to stop. And stop. Okay. Number three, we have... Pita Locke, you just won the gift of your choice. Last one. Okay. And stop. Okay. Last one. We have, okay, Juline Deppin, you just won the gift of your choice. So that's Sue Stellick, Mary Bennett, Pita Locke, and Juline Deppin, Deppin, email in, say I won, tell me what you want and where to send it. Um, keep emailing in your receipts. Uh, Little Miss Little Compton comes out Tuesday, the 29th. It's here, yes. you guys. I hope you love it. If you do like it, please leave a review for it on Amazon and Goodreads. It really helps. Even if you haven't read it, just leave a nice review. <laughs> I'm going to. Even if you hate it, leave a nice review. Oh, will there's you leave- no way. I don't think there's any way anybody could hate this book. Well, will you leave a nice review on Goodreads, Lisa? It helps. I don't know what it does, but apparently it helps. You guys, we love you. There's going to be another Feeling Thorny episode up on next Wednesday with Erin Foley, who's so wonderful. And then we'll be back Um I guess it airs October 13th. So our episode will be up October 15th with the coming back of The Bachelorette. And in the meantime, if you're like craving more episodes of people, Lisa, how fun is watching Bachelorette New Zealand? There's two Bachelorettes. Isn't it fantastic? And the guys are nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a, I can't wait to watch the next episode. It's so good. It's so good. And you and MK are a joy. And of course, Tana Banana, Dr. Banana. Um, all right, you guys, <laughs> uh, in conclusion, Katie, Lisa, thank you both. And all the listeners, 
I certainly didn't picture my book coming out in a global pandemic. I could not feel more love. Obviously, I'm trying to get on the New York Times bestseller list. It's a really long shot. <laughs> and I, regardless, and if I do, I'm going to force my brother to let me throw a live show in JJ's yard, wear long sleeves so you don't get uh, that uh, tick biting thing. <laughs> you know, oh. but um, here's the deal, you guys. Regardless, I felt so much love, so much appreciation. And more than anything, I just can't wait for you guys to read the book. And I hope you all love it. And I hope you all feel seen. And I hope you all feel supported and that you see a little bit of something of yourselves in it. Lisa Delarios, where can people find you? Oh, Instagram at Lisa Delarios. Great. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Artemarine, M-Y-R-I-N. Katie Levine, where can people find you? I'm KT underscore money on Twitter and Instagram. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. It's almost here. We made it. Hopefully, we'll see you at our book release party with Rob Benedict, Lauren Lapkus, Brian Safi, and my brother, the creator of Shadyhead, Alaric Marine. Bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gonna get all up in you tonight. It feels so good. I just got one little question for you, girl. When you accept this rose Oh, when you accept this rose into your world Oh, oh, you accept this rose into your This Rose is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.